I'm Luke Kelly, and I'm the founder of the Line and Length Movement, dedicated to ripping the covers off mental health stigma. After a rough spell with my mental health, I contacted a large number of mates to come together to play a game of cricket with a very unique point of difference. In between innings, a supportive platform was provided where those who felt comfortable showing some vulnerability openly spoke about their personal mental health journey. Thus, the Line of Length movement was born. While we are not mental health experts on this podcast, we are always here to support. So if you or anyone you know is feeling a bit flat, please have a talk to the experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. Today's episode is sponsored by Picker Financial Solutions. The support that Justin Picker is providing will go a long way in assisting the line and length movement in ripping the covers off mental health. While we here at Line and Length focus on mental health, Picker Financial Solutions can help you with your financial health. And now, onto this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. Welcome to the latest episode of This Is Your Line and Length. I'm your host, Aiden, uh, joined here by Kels. How are you today, mate? Yeah, going well, mate. Going well, Aiden. Uh, thanks for the intro there. And uh, we've got we've got the Ross here. Yeah. Uh, this week's guest, Daniel Thanks for Ross. having me. Mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm great, fellas. Yeah, doing really well. Good Just to enjoyed you, my five days off. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, look, before, before we get into the podcast... Um, can you give uh, our listeners who may not have met you uh, a bit of a rundown on who who is Dan Ross? Who is Dan Ross? Well, uh, I think the rap. Dan Ross probably, <laughs> I would probably describe myself as young, energetic, slice of immature, but very passionate young fella. Um, I'm a paramedic. I've been a paramedic for maybe seven years now, coming up on seven years. Um, straight from school to uni, which is where I met all my friends, all the boys. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to all the fellas, all the uni fellas. Um, yeah, and since then, just been working hard, trying to stay afloat with work and have some fun in the meantime. Mate, what's it like being yeah. uh, being a paramedic? Um, sort of during COVID, we had uh, we had Hugh Medway on um, a couple of episodes back, and he said it was pretty tough. Yeah. Has, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, COVID was. COVID was hard. COVID was really hard. Obviously, um, like everyone, we lost our, a lot of our coping mechanisms through stress. So lost the ability to see our mates, see the fellas. Um, lost the ability to see mum and dad as well and family. So just some of the normal things that everyone went through, we went through as well. Um, added the fact, added on top of that was the stress of having to deal firsthand with the sort of the virus and what was going around. And just how difficult that made our everyday life sort of thing like you sort of take for granted how easy paramedicine and pre-hospital care is with before coronavirus and then all of a sudden you introduce this virus and you also introduce the sort of um maybe the mental stress associated with any one of these patients you have could have it and then you could give that to your loved one or you could you could wind up in an ICU bed somewhere pretty stressful Mate, did you have to come up with a lot of new coping strategies um, to kind of get yourself through that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you sort of, sort of, again, relied, moved away from physical interaction with my friends and sort of moved into more of a, like, I'll use this for example, Zoom meetings and stuff. I know we organised yeah. some funny trivia nights over Zoom and a lot of things became more virtual. virtual. Um, 
and look, I'm, I think we're pretty lucky where we are, where te technology is that we were able to do that. can only imagine what it would have been like maybe 10 or 15 years ago when we didn't have the internet or the sort of technology to enable us to be to call Kel at the snap of her finger and see how Kel's doing and see his face. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, nah, but yeah, everything moved sort of onto a social media, uh, virtual reality sort of, not virtual reality, but like uh, Zoom and, and uh, FaceTime and stuff for me. Uh, and then I sort of, I, I picked up running, I think, through Corona, just because I couldn't go to the gym. And also Kel and Chris Russell were pressuring me and Seth <laughs> were pressuring me into it. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. found we found a lot of people were sort of picking up those um, those those physical sort of habits. Um, did you get a lot of sort of um, support around the mental side of things um, from your paramedics team as well? Oh yes and no. So we we're offered support services at work. Um, as of late, I found them particularly difficult to reach out to and to sort of to find effective and that's look that's not so much their fault but it's more hole in the system like we've got free counseling and stuff that we can go and see but uh at the moment if you're particularly stressed with work and you need to um reach out for help you're looking at maybe monthly or six weekly counseling sessions and that's really not effective through eap mm. i've look i've that's been through them way. for yeah through a number of years um and I've used their services time and time again through trauma and stuff like that, just through jobs and stuff you see at work. But I think after coronavirus, it's obviously rattled a lot of bells, rattled a lot of people. So I think a lot of people are using the service and now the wait times are pretty outrageous and sort of ineffective. You get, you see the same guy maybe every six weeks and next time he sees you, it's like the first time he's met you because you see so many people, obviously. Mm. Have you found... Yeah, but look, there's services, like there's people you can speak to at work and... You sort of stay with your work friends and you use your work friends as sort of your your network there, I'd say. Have you looked sort of outside of that, um, the, the, the EAP um, sort of counselling and tried to sort of like find your own counsellor or, or psychologist to go and see? Yeah, just in the process of doing that now, actually, through just so everyone's aware, you can go to your GP and there's um, accessible counselling sessions. You can go through your GP. It's, um, it, they write you up like a mental health plan. And then every single year, 10 to 20, I think it's actually 20 now with coronavirus, you can have 20, 10 to 20 sessions and I've, that's really the way to go, I think. You can pick your own counsellor that way. You're not going through like a work-provided service. Yeah, I think that's definitely what I'll yeah. be doing. Yeah, that's what I did, Rossi, when I um, first saw my psych. Was I did it through that, going to your GP and then getting the mental health care plan. It's yeah. so good. Hey, it's such a good, like, yeah. you know, we don't usually give the government a rap and things like that, but... Um, Oh, to be yeah. fair, it's, so a pre it's a pretty good system, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's spoken about um, enough and not commonly known. Yeah, for sure, public. that's the best. That's the biggest stepping stone for anything, any sort of issues. Anyone who's listening, if you've ever got an issue or a problem, or if you just want to speak to someone, it might be as the smallest thing in the world, or it might be massive. Your your starting point is always your GP. Always see your GP, and always say you want that mental health plan because that's where you, that's where you can kick things off. Uh, I, think, I think another thing to add to that as well is if you're also not happy with the counsellor that they first recommended, go back to your GP and go, oh, absolutely, didn't connect yeah. with this person, is there someone else that you'd recommend? Mm. Most GPs are quite happy to sort of sit there and really work with you to find someone that you know you connect with and you really want to go and mm. see. 
And same works for the GP as well. If you're not happy with the GP, then, mate, get out there and shop for you. <laughs> Do a bit of doctor shopping because mm. not every GP will will uh, mesh with every patient. So find yourself a really, really good GP and then try and, yeah, try and find yourself a really good um, psych or counsellor or anything like that. I know a friend who's currently studying to do some counselling his name's Aiden so he might be able to help you further down the line <laughs> Look, maybe maybe <laughs> down the track mate I'll, uh, I'll work on it a couple of years <laughs> to go before I can uh, officially start helping people Rossi I mean I imagine you see sort of all sorts of things working as a paramedic um, what what is that like on your psyche like how how is that sort of as a day-to-day job mm. if you don't mind me asking no no that's fine um well, the job works for me. Uh, I need to be doing something different every day. I, I can't be sort of stuck in an office environment or sort of stuck sitting there uh, doing the same task over and over. I've, I've got um, some attention problems and you'd say maybe attention disorders. So I can't be sitting there just in a classroom or sitting there in an office because I start to muck around and I'm just understimulated. <laughs> so doing something new and having the potential to do something new every single day definitely benefits me um it also keeps me interested for sure in the game sure some days are like significantly different to other days some days are awesome some days not so much but um on the psych there's always you're always sort of keen and sort of hungry because you never know your next job could be um i say something big but like something mentally stimulating like you're in the game you, you want to be a paramedic to help people and you do your years and years of training and then you want the work pretty much like you want to help people you want the big jobs you want um the sick patients so you can make a real difference no one really wants to go to the vomiting and diarrhea patients all that much so i say i say it as much like you want to see sick people but that's because that's how you make the most difference it's not because i've got some sick fetish with dying people or anything like that ross at our at our first line and length um, mm. back in January two thousand eighteen, um, you were one of the blokes that got up and spoke about um, the scenes that you have been to on multiple occasions where people had ended their life, um, and mm. you said it was just becoming such a common, you know, a common thing for you. Um, can you just explain, yeah. like, what was it like getting up in front of your mates, us, me included, um, mm. and explaining what you see so regularly, you know, because yeah. for me, I, 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 I couldn't, um, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I, I just couldn't. Whereas you yeah. must be so, there's something different in you to be able to, to deal with that. So what, yeah, what's it taught? What's that taught you, mate? Yeah. So I guess there's two parts the question what it's like to get up and yeah. speak about it um yeah public speaking quite nerve-wracking obviously getting in front of your friends but i think at the time i was really passionate about getting up there and having a chat to the fellows about it um as most yeah. of our listeners would know it's been referred to a number of times through the um blokes that have come on the show but we all lost someone to um suicide early on in our lives we lost a good friend sharpie um who was mentally unwell and and the circumstances are pretty grey, but it sounds as though he's taking his own life. And we um, were all, that really drove us to um, become like mental health champions in a way and to really um, push everyone to say something and to, to speak up. So 
I found that was a good platform for me to sort of talk about something that, that the boys wouldn't really have, or boys and girls, but normal people wouldn't really be able to talk about or mm. would really be exposed to. Um, I think over the, over the past maybe seven years of being a paramedic, I've seen hundreds of suicide attempts and probably up to 100 successful attempts, especially over the last two years. Um, my role's changed in paramedics, so now I'm seeing a lot more higher acuity, sicker patients. Uh, but also, I would say there's um, a significant higher degree of mental health and mental health illness in low resilience sort of categories um, of people. So, um, yeah, that's becoming more and more common. I think I've yeah. I've seen close to maybe twenty uh, twenty hangings since this time last year. Um, a few self-drownings, drug overdoses, like there's just so many things at the moment. Um, and ages all the way down to 13, schoolgirls. So um, corona's definitely taken its toll on a range of different age groups, yeah. Jeez, that is, that, they are just terrifying, you know, numbers. And I, I think it goes to show how important mental health is in society mm. and how important it's going to be in the next few years post this pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's this pandemic's really... I feel as though... Look, it sucks to say, but sometimes it takes a pandemic in order for people to sort of realise the um, the importance of certain things. I think, obviously, one of them's like cleanliness and hygiene, but I think another thing's how important mental health is um, mm. to see the ramifications of a virus like that run through the community and then um, see everyone's mental health. And look, we're, we're resilient, young, uh, mentally strong guys who, who are really lucky. You've got some really good um, uh, ability to put up with big mental health strain and stuff like that. But there's so many communities out there in um, lower socioeconomic sort of... Um, catchments and groups that just can't are unable to deal with something like that yeah yeah wait. yeah it's, it's that's just yeah. i actually feel like sick with those stats that you just said like there's something yeah. just needs to be you know done and i think what we're doing at line and length is just gonna you know us individually aren't gonna, we're not going to change the world yeah. but uh, you know at least we're having a crack you know what i mean yeah exactly right but all it takes is all all it really takes is uh, you to have a conversation with someone and then yeah. um, look I hate to use the word but it could be a mental health pandemic we could spread it like a virus and have a chat with people um, and then before you know it this positive sort of mental health um, view that we've got and that our friends group could spread very quickly mm. um, all it takes is uh, you can see the generational change from our grandparents to our parents and even from our parents to us I can I can only imagine what our um what, it, what we instill in our children will do to mental health then. Hmm. Sort of exciting, but... Rossi, you mentioned um, sort of lower resilient people was were mainly what you what you saw, sort of these suicide attempts and suicides yeah. that you'd gone out and seen. Are you able to yeah. just explain that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I've sort of always pictured it in my mind and had this idea of like a ladder. Um, so where you are down the bottom of the ladder is 
obviously the worst place you can be and up the top is obviously the best place you can be. Um, and you always sort of gravitate somewhere towards the middle, towards the top, and you can be down a bit lower. Um, and you sort of fall down the rungs of the ladder as you, you face more adversity, but you could be caught by one of the rungs. So think of, I always think of the rungs as like uh, your family. The big, one of my biggest rungs is uh, my friends group. Um, another one's exercise I use. Like, so all these different things that sort of stop you from hitting the bottom of that ladder. Unfortunately, these lower socioeconomic groups um, and these lower resilient sort of categorised people might not have these sort of rungs that we have. Like you can just imagine um, people that don't have friends groups, like uh, people that don't have the families, don't have the money, have all these um, lower and increased comorbidities, these, like they're worse off in their general health. You can see how quickly something like coronavirus would hit them further down that ladder than it would for us. Like, what I was doing trivia with the boys on a Wednesday night, laying on the lounge, having a fun, having fun, smiling in a comfy, warm room. You look at people who are potentially homeless that have no social contact, um, and just see what that would do to their mental health in terms of like with the coronavirus as well. They don't have a house to isolate in. Like these different things will hit these communities significantly harder. Like I find as though they might not be able to deal with these things nearly as well as you or I. And is that predominantly the sort of people that you unfortunately have to go out to or are you getting a wide mix of people when you're going out on those sorts of calls? Um, it's, it's sort of interesting. So where I'm based in the southwest of Sydney, it's classically a lower socioeconomic level. So there's a lot more mental health. Uh, you'll see things that you had no idea were a part of our society because it's really something that I would say what we're middle middle class the middle class would never see they'd never witness like what some of these um, lower socioeconomic groups will face so um, yeah it's definitely definitely something I see more in these sort of groups um, and it's definitely something you see more in pre-hospital care like uh, you're much more likely to have better off health with higher socioeconomic levels that's just the way it is you've got better health access you've got better medicine more money um better access to help really yeah and education number one yeah how, how do you find the sort of education uh working in southwest sydney around sort of mental health issues is is there any is there just a complete lack of that um are they aware of it but don't know too much um how have you found that hmm well, again, like a lot of the sort of mental health that I would see is uh, extremely acute mental health. So I'm talking like schizophrenic psychosis and um, ice-induced psychosis, where my, my general, like my care and the care that I can offer as a paramedic is more so sedation and sort of putting them in an, an induced coma so I can manage them and for my safety, number one and then take them to a facility where then they can be um, held and sort of helped and then receive adequate medications for their end. So not I'm rarely now am I coming into contact with the lower acuity mental health jobs, but earlier on in my career, I saw a lot more of those. And, and look, yeah, like you, you're right, the education is just not there. They have no idea um, about the access, 
how to access help. They have no idea about what help's available, what services are available. Um, I've obviously been preaching about these 10 free, um, 10 free like counselling sessions you can go to through your GP, and not a single person like not a single person knows about it. Hmm. And I heard it through word of mouth as well. Like I'm not quite sure if it's being advertised anywhere, but it's certainly not being um, spoken about enough. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. yeah I like right. Russ- imagine if there was an ad on television or something. Like hmm. everyone would jump on it. But yeah, yeah. I have no idea where I heard it from. Yeah. I, Russ- yeah, Russ- I, I remember getting told about it at the doctor. So I'm with you on that. It needs to be yeah. um, more more widely advertised. Yeah. Absolutely. Rossi, I'm going to ask you a few questions um, and, you know, we're going to sort of delve into who is Dan Ross Hopkins behind his job, you know. So who are you more yeah, and, as sure. a person? And we're going to call this Triple H. So I'm going to ask you about hero, hardship and highlight, mate. So with that in mind, tell us, who's your hero? Oh, that's a good question, Kel. Uh, um, thanks. I've got a few I thought about that one for I'm, a while. I've been yeah, thinking about this yeah. one for a while, Ross. Yeah, I'll... Um, Look, I'll probably, I'll go the cliched, my dad is my hero sort of thing. Um, yeah. Through my life, he's always been a, a big, loud, um, confident man. He's always sort of instilled in me those, um, the sort of right values that you'd hope a young male would grow up with, like yeah. look after your brothers, look after your family, mm. be nice to your mum, be nice to your yeah. mates, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I'd definitely use him as a hero in my life. Another one would probably be, I would, I would probably say my best mate, Charlie. Um, he's been on the show before. Yeah. I met Charlie when I moved away from home. I'm the eldest of two little brothers. And so Charlie straight away to me and has been since sort of like a big brother. Um, yeah. Where all of a sudden an 18 year old leaves home, you're still a child pretty much. And yeah. Charlie had already traveled the world and, and yeah, he just sort of, I'd say he sort of took me under his wing and, and taught me so much of what it meant to be a man and be a good man as well. Like, yeah, growing up in in the Shire, like you, um, you, it's a very very sheltered life. So Charlie checked me and challenged me where I needed where I needed to be checked and challenged. And I think he's definitely responsible for the young man that and help, he's helped shape me and he's responsible for the young man that I am today. Probably, thanks, mate. <laughs> If you're yeah, he's one. Of, he is one of Charlie Newton. He is one of the good eggs, and um, he's also yeah, sure. on the board, on the board of Line and Length. He's one of the four founding board members. So he, he's um, mm-hmm. he's definitely a good hero to have. That's for sure. He would be. He's championed mental health amongst yeah. as many people as I can think of. So um, he's got a mental health charity himself. Like he, he's doing amazing things. So yeah, yeah, I'm super proud of him, and I know he's proud of me as well. So yeah, he's definitely a hero of mine. Nice, Ross. Okay, so this leads me to my next question, Rossi. T- can you tell us about some hardship that you've faced? You know, maybe maybe your best friends know about it, but the the people mm. who you you know you sort of acquaintance with probably don't know that about you. So, what's what's some hardship that you've faced that you can share with us? Oh, um, look, there's 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 definitely a few things. I think I'm I'm really lucky in the way that my life sort of panned out at the moment. I've had a great childhood, mum and a really healthy family dynamic. Um, in terms of hardships, I, I think I would say that I would, I'm definitely, um, 
I'm definitely lucky with what I've been through. I've lacked sort of massive hardships. I've had some. I've had friends pass away recently. I had a workmate pass away, and and a family member pass away within a couple of weeks. So that's definitely yeah. quite difficult to sort of comprehend two at once. And yeah. recent relationship breakdowns and and yeah. stuff and coronavirus as well. I think one of the hardships probably growing up having like your heart broken when you're a young fella and then moving out to Bathurst by yourself like that's yeah. a big that was a big turning point for me that was a like a sort of um like float or sink sort of yeah game yeah. plan there but hardships maybe um to be fair, Ross, you did just list about three or four, so that's you. Yeah, you have well, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Just small ones, nothing, nothing really. Yeah, yeah. No, they're hardships nonetheless, mate. And then the, um, yeah. the final question is: to tell us about your highlight. Tell us a highlight of your life so far. Oh, got some good highlights. I bet got you some do. Rippers. I know you do. Got some rippers. Um, I like to think of my highlights as when. Um, on a pathway, whatever happens after that, I just get sat down in a dark room with a television and there's like a 10-minute highlight reel. Yeah, keep going. And what would be on there? <laughs> Look, I think uh, there'd be a few Red Bear Sundays up there and other highlights, maybe just... Uh, obviously, I love sports, so growing up, a lot of the big sporting things, but um, Bathurst for me was a massive highlight. Yeah, I agree. Massive highlight. Like, it taught me so much socially and emotionally. Just, like, it's brought, given me this entire sort of range of friends groups and social interaction that I don't think anything else could have really driven me towards. Bathurst yeah. for sure. Being a paramedic, mate, I love it as well. That's definitely a highlight. Being able to, um, I used to get home and see how proud mum and dad were. So, yeah. that was a really nice feeling. Yeah. Nice, Rossi. Well, you... Uh, mm. The first guest to uh, try the Triple H, the Hero Hardship Highlight. So uh, I guess you we'll get some feedback Thank on how, how it rates. <laughs> <laughs> the Triple H. Yeah, nailed it. Mate, Rossi, um, being a paramedic, I imagine you've read thousands of books and probably a few more, uh, more mm. than that. What Are there mm. any that you would recommend to anyone listening that maybe sort of helped you get through either that hardship or just gave you like a, a really good outlook, a different sort of outlook on life? Mm. Well, I think um, I think my man Kel can sort of vouch for me on this one, but uh, the Resilience Project is a massive, massive game-changing book. Um, yeah. Teaches you a range of gratitude and stuff like that. It's a really interesting read. Um, a lot of my other reads are more medical journals and sort of uh, pathophysiology stuff. Nothing that's really going to be interesting for the learners, but um, yeah. The Resilience Project is a really, really good yeah. read. There's also heaps of um, heaps of podcasts that I listen to at the moment. Paramedic-wise, there's Road to Resus. Again, that's going to be quite boring for, I'm sure, non-medical listeners. But then there's um, yeah. lots of things uh, on uh, wellness. Yeah. For me, that works an absolute treat. So... Yeah. Um, just down to breathing techniques like be slow breaths um will activate your parasympathetic system it slows down your heart rate lowers your blood pressure sort of thing so um i'll use that like you can use it in a day-to-day before a big meeting you stop yourself and you have three really slow really deep breaths 
you watch your heart rate go from 80 down to 55 like this. I'll use it um, uh, before big jobs. Like right when I'm about, I actually used it the other day. We were at an 18 year old who was in cardiac arrest and kids in cardiac arrest, it's a terrifying thing. You can't help being sympathetically activated. Like your adrenaline's pumping, your heart's racing, your blood pressure's moving, you're sweating. Um, your pupils are dilated, you've got adrenaline running through your system, you need to calm yourself down because your hands are shaking. So if I'm going to intubate this patient, how am I going to do that? So I sort of sit myself aside and while I'm setting up, three big deep breaths, big deep breaths and all of a sudden everything's clear, everything's like you find clarity in what you're doing. So in an adrenaline filled situation like that can also be used in things like taking a free kick in soccer or yeah. before you go into your bedroom and you're about to have a fight with your girlfriend taking three deep breaths sort of thing so you're not yeah. you're not like high emotionally driven and you can see things clearer and you're a lot more um, uh, focused yeah Rossi I'll take you back you mentioned the resilience project first as that um, as your book um, you sort of your must read book what did you personally take away from that book and what have and what have you instilled that you know into your day to day life? Gratitude, yeah. Gratitude. Yeah, nice. So going to bed and thinking about um, it sort of um, it sort of set me aside. So I'd lay down in bed and just thinking about what I liked from the day, what I didn't like from the day. It's just a yeah. big, it just helps you decompress. Like um, yeah. just being able to also put on paper and think about like just a normal grind of every single day 365 yeah. days boom 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 it sort of separates each day and it keeps you aligned yeah. like all of a sudden you do it for 10 days um and you've got 10 things that you're you've got gratitude for there's 10 things that you're happy mm. about and you can sort yeah. of look back on that week and be like you know what this is actually a pretty good week like i got yeah. to help a lot of people i had some awesome days off yeah played golf with the girlfriend like things like that that you wouldn't know yeah. like the week would end and you'd be like oh god i gotta go yeah. back to work like you, yeah. you can sit back and you can you, you've got gratitude for what you've done and, yeah and it's also the ability to be like you know what sucked like what's something that i found difficult this week that i should yeah. potentially address with the counselor or um yeah. something that i can work on next week in order to have a like a better week yeah do you um you mentioned gratitude do you verbalize that or do you write it down and just keep it to yourself or do you verbalize it with your partner yeah i would i definitely verbalize a lot of things with my partner more so um yeah. i also um just sort of lay there before going to bed it sort of puts me to sleep sort of calms you down a bit laying there mm. thinking about mm, what am what am i happy with with the day yeah what i do it mate. i do it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then um and then the ability to sort of like, I use this analogy with Amy all the time, like take the backpack off, the things that are sort mm. of riding you and then mm. just throw it in, like separate yourself from it for a second, but like, all right, the house is stressing me out. I'm going to yeah. take the backpack off, like realize, understand why it's stressing me out and allow yeah. it to sort of stress you out. Like things are going to stress you out. Yeah. That's what happens. Like yeah. being comfortable in that sort of, area of like allowing yourself to stress out is normal like it's and understanding that 
what you're going through is going to cause a normal person's stress is super yeah. important. And that's what it sort of does. It brings it to your attention. Yeah, moving yeah. house is bloody stressful. Like, this is going to yeah. stress me out. That's why I'm short-tempered. Like, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Mate, uh, we had we had Genoa on um, what two episodes ago, um, and he's big on mm-hmm. sort of meditation. And and from what Kels has told me, and I've kind of pieced together, I've, I've got to read the Resilience Project myself. But meditation is a part of that as well. Um, mm. Have you have you yourself found that that's helpful? Um, I used to a little while ago. I used to when I wasn't trying to save as much money. I'd always have uh, massages. And, um, mate, a weekly massage laying there with, like, some Thai music playing in the background and then just sort of, like, you you do sort of enter that sort of, like, meditating sort of pathway. And I I also used to do a lot more yoga. do none at the moment, but I used to do yoga. And I used to find you'd walk out of that and you'd be ready for anything sort of thing. Like, same thing, you've taken your backpack off, you've sort of thrown it out, you're relaxed, like... Everything, so like you feel loose, like yeah. I find I've found meditation definitely helpful. I'm currently guilty of not um, applying that to my current days as of late, but it's definitely something I could work on. Yeah, Rusty, I'm gonna um, share a quote with you that I think sums you up, mate. And um, mm. it's a quote that it, it takes the smartest man in the room to play the clown. And at the very start of this yeah. episode, you said that you, you're immature. But, yeah. I mean, you're one of the smartest blokes that I know. If people meet you for the first time, they'll think, you know, you're just, just a larrikin and, and doesn't have this this other side that I know about you where you're, you're very mm. serious and you're very successful at your job. And I think, yeah, it mm. takes the smartest man in the room to play the clown would yeah, sum you sure. up to a T. Yeah, absolutely. It's on. It's a bit of a safety net, I guess. It's like a, mm. um, you could say it's an insecurity that I'll fall back on. Like, um, you've got nothing to lose if people view you as a, as a clown. And it's easy mm. to um, maintain that persona and sort of joke around and be the larrikin. It's easy to perform that and it's easier to do that than it is to, to come across as a, like the nerd pretty much or yeah. come across as the, the person who's uh, a smart person. I don't know. It's like, it, it's definitely, um, I would say it's a protective mechanism more than anything. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like it just, it just sort of happens and it's a part of who I am, but it's definitely, um, um, I definitely find it more relaxing to be the larrikin and just let loose and not have a serious conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. sort of protects your insecurities, doesn't it? I'm sure everyone can agree with me, and everyone does. Yeah. Everyone has their sort of insecurity um, protection, and I think that's an easy one that I fall back on. Out, yeah. out of curiosity, Rossi, does that? Um, yeah. Do you then find it hard to sort of have those difficult conversations? Uh, depends the platform. So, at work, the sort of position I'm in at the moment uh, is more of a like clinical leadership role. So. I'm more helping paramedics at this point when they need help or they call for help. And so I'm sort of walking into a scene and sort of taking charge of it in that way. And on that platform, I find it really easy to be serious and be to the bone because that's what's expected of me and that's what I've trained for. 
moving more towards my social network. I find being serious uh, quite difficult sometimes. Uh, also because not many people know me as like a serious bloke or someone who's um, comes across as quite serious or intelligent, but I definitely enjoy having intelligent conversations. Um, I'll use Cameron Backhouse as an example. I think he's very similar to me in a way that he's the clown who jokes around in the room, but if you were to have a conversation with uh, physics with the bloke, he's very, very, very gifted, yeah. very scientifically minded. So I obviously enjoy having intelligent conversations down that pathway with him, but it is definitely, it is definitely more difficult to show, I would say it's like a deeper side of me, like a, another side. And I find, yeah, I definitely find that harder to talk about and interact. Rossi, there's, a, Rossi, there's another quote that I associate with you, but, but you didn't say this one, but it was our, um, our former footy coach, Luke Costello, that said it. And he said it in yeah. front of the whole footy club. And the, the quote was, you'll never play first grade. And he said, I, yeah. I, remember, I remember it to this day. He said it to you in front of absolutely everyone at training. The entire club. You'll never play yeah. first grade. Yeah, and about two months later, there's Rossi yeah. donning his first grade yeah. jersey running out. Yeah, star I looked of the him show. in my eyes when that, I ran through the tunnel as well. Yeah, and that, that yeah, shows I your determination. Sure yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're d- uh, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely like, I'm super, super competitive and I'm most competitive yeah. with myself. And the second someone tries to yeah. put me down like that, then I yeah. use that as motivation for sure. Like, I didn't want to borrow that. That was my second year playing football as well. And That's to right. say that to someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. just that, that sort of person, that sort of bully, you can put on a pedestal and use that to motivate you to do whatever you want in life. Obviously, it's not the most healthy motivation, um, yeah. but motivation at its rawest is what it is. So you sort, yeah. of, sort of came back in every single training session, every time I kicked a ball with Charlie in the field, that was at the back of my yeah. mind. And so yeah. running, through, running, through the, um, running through the tunnel, I made sure yeah. I looked him dead in the eyes as I ran past him. Yeah, isn't that, mate? That was 2012, and I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ten, almost ten years ago. <laughs> it was so good. I can't believe I can't believe someone would say that to someone. That is absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah. To a young fellow as well. Goodness gracious, yeah. Luke. It was an interesting is... choice of words. Yeah, in front of the entire club as well. Yeah. Because the bloke behind me was talking. Yeah, but like behind me was talking. I mean. <laughs> but it shows Good the type of character that you are, mate. That determination, mm. you know, it shows that he he only saw that 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 immature side that that, yeah. that a lot of people only see. But when you get to know you, there's yeah. that that fucking determination yeah. side. And I'm going to prove you yeah. wrong. And when I need to switch yeah. on, I'll switch on. Yeah, absolutely. He saw that. Yeah, when I need that that sums it up. When I need to switch on, I'll switch on. Like. People or people buy what I sell pretty much. So I sell the larrikin, and I know how to sell yep. it well. Um, but mm. when it comes down to it, and even in the job too, it's like I've always like I'll muck around all the time at work. It's good yeah. fun. Like I find it the easiest thing to do. But the second that something needs to be switched on, it's like bang straight yeah, into let's it. Let's go. Like yeah. actually, this person's sick. Let's do this. Yeah, straight yeah. into it. Yeah. Rossi. Yeah. It's a question we ask everyone on the podcast. Um, yep. And assuming that you at 18 would listen to yourself now, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, I've been thinking about this question. 
when I first heard it on the podcast, I was like, what would I say to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, I think number one, I would say, go easy on yourself. Um, don't go easier, but give yourself a minute every now and again to look back and look at what you've accomplished and give yourself a pat on the back because I don't think enough of us do that. Like, you don't look up at the wall and see your, like your graduate, whatever you've got, your education level, and you pat yourself on the back for it. But that's that's an achievement. Like, you don't look on in your your cabinet and see a trophy from your first year in football. Unfortunately, we don't have a trophy because we lost that year. Yeah, um, I haven't won any. But you don't pat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't don't pat yourself on the back enough. So definitely that. Um, also, I would say it sort of rings in with that other question. Don't be afraid to show your insecurities. Like I've played the larrikin for the past decade and played it very well. Um, and I think I'm as I'm becoming more mature, I'm finding it easier. Some would say I'm becoming more mature. I'm finding it easier mm. to. Um, roll that larrikin back because I'm becoming less insecure about the sort of person I am the sort of like um, yeah intelligent young male that I am hiding under that sort of clown so yeah be true to yourself oh and another thing is definitely be honest be honest about everything like it's so easy to fall into traps and to like um, stretch the truth but it only you chip a bit of the stone out of your own wall doing that and that's something yeah. I've definitely learned over, the, especially over the past year. But definitely, be honest with yourself and everyone else yeah. around you. And you will find yourself loving. You will find yourself loving yourself so much more. You'll have so much more respect for yourself because it keeps you in line. Like even the smallest things, just give yourself a minute and think. Ah, oh, you know what? That's not the right thing. I'm going to do yeah. the right thing, and it's going to be harder this way. But you know, two weeks time, I'm going to look back and. It'll be better for me and whoever else is involved. Good Rossi, question. My, Bloody good my, question. Um, Rossi, my final question comes to you in the form of, uh, what's this whole podcast experience taught you about yourself? You know, from the minute that we reached out mm. and said, Rossi, would you like to be, you know, the next guest on, on the pod? Mm. Um, what, and up until this point now that you've actually wrapping it up, coming towards it end, what's, what's it taught you about mm. yourself? Um, it's taught me that, I definitely care a lot about what my peers and my friends think. Like the first thing that came to my mind was, God, I've got, I don't want to let anyone down. I want this to be interesting and fun. Um, I want to help people with it. So it sort of like highlights. The first thing that came to my head was, God, I'm nervous. And it sort of shows how much, (laughs) like I care. I still do care a lot about what people think. Like, um, and so it sort of showed how much this podcast means to me, I think because I've heard some of the inspirational things like mate Reese Binney's was Charlie's Kefties was so good yeah. and yeah. I was sitting there grinning the whole time Kefties always yeah. makes me grin even thinking about Keftie makes me grin but <laughs> like things like that like if I could have that sort of same impact on someone listening then yeah bloody host mate that makes me smile yeah Love shout that. out to Keftie if Love he's that. listening by the way <laughs> friend of the show <laughs> oh man friend of the world yeah yeah absolutely boys yeah, uh, I, love that. I think that's a really good place to sort of wrap the podcast up mm. um, Rossi thank you so much for coming on and sort of sharing your experiences and, and your thoughts around all of this we really appreciate and, and love having you on 
Guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being able to um, to have a chat with you guys on this platform. And thanks so much for providing this platform to not just myself and my friends group, but hopefully like a much wider range of people, mate. This podcast is doing fantastic things and Lining Length, I'm so excited. I know there's a few other excited people out there about Lining Length, but mate, I am keen. There's a bit going on behind the scenes, isn't there, Ross? Oh, mate, the cogs are moving. A lot of fun things. Super excited. I think in 20, 30 years, when we're old fellas and we're sitting back, we're sharing a beer or a whiskey at a pub or something, and we've seen how much mental health has turned around. I think we're, yeah. we're going to be able to to smile and look back at the change that we definitely contributed to. And I yeah, can't wait for that. Mate. I can't wait to see where society moves with this and how much we can affect it. Guys, to anyone that's listening, if you would like to be a part of uh, Line and Length, if you want to jump on and you've got a story to tell, we're happy to listen and we'd love to have a chat with you. So reach out to myself, reach out to Kells, and we'll, we'll make sure that we put some time aside so that we can have a chat and and really sit down and listen to the story that you want to tell us. Um, Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, Like the podcast, like the episodes, subscribe to us. And finally, a special shout-out goes goes out to our uh, our new producer, Stuart McMillan. Big shout-out to him, doing all the editing behind the scenes for us now. Absolutely. What a bloke. Thank you, Can I just wrap? What a great bloke. (laughs) Stewie. Friend of the show. That's the man, Stewie. That's it from us yeah. here. This is your line in length. Uh, we look forward to, to sharing our next episode with you. This episode of This Is Your Line in Length was brought to you by Pick a Financial Solutions. Pick a Financial Solutions can help you with your financial well-being. This includes restructuring your finances, purchasing your first home, or purchasing an investment property. To reach out to Pick a Financial Solutions, see the links in this episode's notes. If this podcast has made you realize that you or a friend would benefit from having a chat. Please don't hesitate to reach out to experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or Medical Professional. In the meantime, take care, look after your lid, and look forward to the next episode of This Is Your Line and Length.